If coffee and cream and sugar are bad for you, then why is it so good? This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors and Prime Archery. Um, like I mentioned in our last podcast, guys, we have some pretty cool uh, sponsorship type things coming um, that are also benefiting you. Uh, Apex Gear has partnered up with us and they make some awesome stuff. We literally just got a package today um, from Apex from our stuff that we ordered and I couldn't be more happy with the new line of covert and the detachable sites and the oh good burp um, the uh, stabilizer and then the stabilizer attachment so you can run a rear bar um, the dropaway rest all that we're we're pretty pumped to, to get them onto the prime bows in shooting but Apex has decided to run a promo code. I want to say it's for 20% off. Um, you guys just simply at checkout, you type in promo code RISKY, R-I-S-K-E, all caps, and you guys will receive 20% off your purchase. That's huge. Um, and they make some awesome stuff. So get over there, check it out, helps us out, and we just want to help save you guys some money on some pretty sick gear. So I'm going to jump right into this one. I don't have any guests today. Um, Don't have Jake, just kind of flying solo. So my whole plan today is kind of give you a rundown of the Heartland Bowhunter film school that I attended over the weekend down in Kansas City and um, just kind of give you my thoughts and um, my experience and what I thought was awesome and what I kind of didn't like about it, but uh, there's very, very little of that. So um, also we're going to talk a little bit about upcoming hunts that I have uh, and Cassandra and then a couple other guys on the team um, and how we're going to keep you guys updated. So um, yeah, we'll jump jump into this. It's not going to be that long of a podcast because it's just me and I don't like listening to myself talk and I love hearing other people's stories. So just going to leave this one short and sweet. We do have a pretty good one lined up for you this week um, that will be coming next week for you. So, um, but yeah, so Heartland Bowhunter Film School um, was a two-day course in Kansas City. Um, Day one started on Saturday at I want to say the class started at nine and went till like five o'clock, um, but they covered an array of subjects. I have like a list of, of things here that we kind of went over, um, but I mean they go over like the gear that they use, um, camera settings, like the creativity and things that they use, like the certain shots that they they make. Um, tell you kind of how to put together a storyline, different setups that they use in like tree stands and things like that. Um, they did like a little drone demonstration, how to put together time lapse, all kinds of like really, really cool stuff. Um, the one like downfall that I, I mean, it's not really a downfall. Like I knew this going into the class. Um, these guys are like super, super good at um, the whole filming side of things and the quality of content that they put out. I mean, it's, I would argue that it's the best in the industry. And um, 
Mike and everybody down there just does a, a phenomenal job. And they, they don't have secrets. That's the thing. Like, if you go to this film school, I mean, they tell you that. Like, there, there is no secret. They just work extremely hard um, to get the shots and the, the, the footage that they, uh, that they produce and put out there. Um, they shoot on some really nice cameras, and then they shoot on cameras that anybody can af- can afford i mean it's it, it it was pretty cool but the downfall is that they have a cameraman like all the time they're never self filming um which is something that i always i'm not always but probably 90% of the time um i'm self filming and cassandra and jake and Phil and Josh, I mean, most of the team is self-filming. Every now and then, a couple of us will get together and, you know, go out and film it like one or two, maybe three to five hunts a year. I mean, it's nothing like crazy. Um, so that was kind of the one one thing that I, I wish like that they did more of. But I understand that that's it's impossible for the content that they put out. Literally, it is impossible. I mean, they spend hours and hours to get one shot um one sequence of shots uh it's it's crazy so it was it was it was pretty cool um but i i mean i learned so much about camera settings and putting together a storyline all kinds of stuff so hopefully it kind of trickles over and you guys will see a little bit of a difference in in our editing and our content that we put out Um, but I would suggest, and if you guys do have a chance, if anyone listening to this is interested into, into getting into filming or, you know, is an experienced guy that gets out and films everything and knows a lot about cameras, I would strongly suggest that you guys still go down to this, this class and, and just learn from these guys. I know, I'm, I talked to Cassandra as soon as like I got back on my second day that I wanted to take it again. Like after I apply everything that I feel like I got a grasp on and I, it, I feel like I, I can get pretty pretty dang good at it, I want to go back and just dig in deeper because um, they open up the floor for questions after each like segment that they go through. And then they're very hands-on too. So like the guys on the team will walk around and literally show you how to do, take different shots and how to set up the camera and to, to record in different, different formats and take pictures in raw and how to edit them. And they literally like do demonstrations. We went out and did a time-lapse video and then they brought us in and Sean showed us how to edit. I mean, it was, it was like, for me, like I, I'm not that experienced as or as experienced as some of these guys in this class, and I, I was like blown away, and it, it was pretty cool. And also, the guys that were in the class, I mean, we had guys from all over, guys that were, um, we had a outfitter in there that was looking to expand and and potentially provide filmed hunts for for his guest. Um, we had a guy that was a president of a chapter of the National Turkey Federation. Um, we had a, a kid that films, I, I want to say, except for Jury Outdoors. Another guy that was filming a guy 
to uh, on his North American Super Slam. I mean, super talented people were in this course, and I'm sure they all learned something here and there. Um, and then guys that were just like me, um, that were just there to to learn and just grow their skills. And you know, we were talking. One one kid in the class showed me some of his like a fishing video that he put together and i'm just like wow like really really talented people um that just made me like it was humbling because i i felt like man i'm I'm getting pretty good at this and then you see this content and it was awesome it was it was good to just kind of learn from the people not only like teaching the class but the guys in the class too um i didn't hang out with everybody um they at the hotel and they all kind of went out together so that's that is a perk if you guys want to go down there um my brother lives down there so got to spend a little time with him and his family um so it was overall it was a a solid experience um i want to say i i it was around like a thousand bucks for the the two-day course but they do provide meals um that is your hotel um and it's the knowledge and everything that you get out of it. So like I said, it is if you want to be serious about this um, or if you really just want to learn more about photography or videography, I would strongly suggest it. They'll do it. I, I believe they're doing it every year. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to go back just because it was, it, was, it was that fulfilling and I learned that much. So um, on to the next thing. So... Upcoming hunts, man. The first one that we will be going out first, we got we're going to be doing a couple like scouting um, and, and prep things that we have going on. We got a couple of things in Michigan that we have to get get prepped still. Um, this weekend, I'm heading out. Phil and I are going to get out and try to find a couple bucks from last year and hopefully get some footage of them and do some velvet scouting velvet fest is here um you have to watch this weekend and uh, i'm sure we'll be sharing some of that content and hopefully get some pretty cool footage or or pictures of some really good bucks um this weekend um but then our next trip is nebraska uh, same trip I went on last year. Uh, last year we didn't really take the camera, didn't get a whole lot of footage. Um, this year is going to be different, so we're going to share that experience with you guys. A um, little different uh, group. Jake's going this year. My buddy Rob that I hunt with down in Illinois is going this year. Dave's going. Uh, Chris is going, and Matt is still going. Phil couldn't this year um, due to an injury. Brad couldn't do to a new a new little one in the household, so um, Jake and Rob kind of filled those two spots. So um, I'm excited. It's it's always good to to get out there and just enjoy some time with some some good buddies and um, yeah. Hopefully uh, we capture some deer being harvested on film, some muleys in velvet. Maybe who knows? There's whitetail out there too. I'm thinking about actually, Cassandra doesn't know this, but I'm thinking about also picking up a um, pronghorn tag because we did see a lot of antelope out there. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, 
Then the next trip after that is uh, Cassandra and I, our anniversary trip. We're going to be headed headed back to Montana to chase some bulls in the backcountry. Um, interesting story there. Cassandra and I put in every year for um, our a combo tag, which is uh, elk and mule deer. And last, or well, two years ago, yeah, two years ago, Cassandra drew and I didn't. Um, and then they do have like a leftover tag. So guys that end up canceling their trips for, for whatever reason or, um, you know, any anything like that. So guys that draw can return their tags from out of state. And... So then they have like a little leftover pool, and I ended up getting lucky enough and drew that year. I don't know how many there were, um, but I did end up drawing um, just, uh, was it that year? I did get a combo tag that year. Um, The year before that, I think I just had an elk tag. Then last year, we both drew combo tags, but um, we did not even attempt to hunt any mule deer there. So then this year, I put in first, then Cassandra applied after me. We do this all online. And come draw results, ends up Cassandra drew, again, the combo tag, mule deer and elk. And I did not draw. I was upset again because this has happened twice. Um... Anyway, this is just general. We're not we're not hunting like any special unit. This is a general tag. Um, then the leftover tags go on sale. So they go on sale at like 5 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. So I was up at 5, logged on the computer, and literally went to purchase a tag, and the site like crashed. The Montana Fish and Wildlife site like just stopped working. And I literally refreshed probably 30 times and just kept going back, entering all my information again and again. And it crashed every time I got to the point where I needed to get a tag. Well, come to find out, I waited. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to come back later today because I I was doing this for like two hours. And then I ended up having to go into work. So later in the day, I checked on my phone and... It, I luckily I got through, and every tag was sold out, so no tag. I was like, son of a gun. Well, looks like I'm just gonna be a designated cameraman for the first time ever in Montana for Cassandra. Um, it still would have been a great trip. I would have still would have enjoyed it, but I was I was kind of bummed, and it was. Like the next day or two days later, I get an email from Montana Fish and Wildlife. And they said that I was one of the recipients that was trying to log in at 5 a.m. to receive like one of the, I don't know, it was like 70 remaining tags. So I was one of those people that were on at like that 5 a.m. or 6 or whatever it was. I can't remember that time frame to, to purchase that tag. So, walked out, ended up getting a general elk tag. I don't have a mule deer tag. Cassandra does. So, um, that'll be 
pretty much our September. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Roby, Nebraska. Um, then Michigan opener. So hopefully this weekend, find a couple bucks to chase uh, with Phil. Um, and hopefully put a buck down early October in Michigan. Um, that's, that's the plan. Um, and then, well, we have our family farm and then Cassandra and I's farm on the west side of the state. So hopefully we, we can tag a really good buck. We have two that we know of that are, are going to be really good Michigan deer. So hopefully that happens. Um, and then hopefully I, I get to film Phil Harvest. He's got, I know he's got one or two really, really good bucks that we're going to be hoping to lay eyes on this weekend. And then uh, come October, hopefully they're still there. But um, so then we have Michigan. Um, Illinois opens October 1st. I'm sure we're going to try to sneak down there a couple weekends as we always do. Um, we're going to get down there. Hopefully we we're just talking tonight about. Um, weekends to get down there hopefully early to mid-august we're going to get down there do some scouting and some tree stand prep and help with mike on the the farm and get a couple things set up for the upcoming season as we always like to get down there and pitch in a little bit to help the od because he's so gracious and lets us come down and he's like uh He's like a second father to us. Uh, he takes care of us, so it's pretty awesome. I'm very fortunate there. Um, but after that, um, mid-October, so we'll be in Michigan and Illinois throughout the, the time. We might save Illinois for a little bit later. I love hunting down there late season um, into the rut. Um, so we'll see. Um, but just added on a new trip uh just a weekend trip but um brad bifus who's been on here at the round table discussion him and i his wife gave him permission because she's a saint and takes care of him and they're two like newborns um she gave him permission to sneak away for a weekend um just like a two-day trip but brad and i are gonna zip up to wisconsin um first it's first time out of state so everyone that's listening to this if i read this right which i'm pretty sure i did first time non-resident it's a 60 dollar tag 60 bucks to hunt wisconsin in for everyone that's listening the the amount of public land and the quality of public land up there is is phenomenal it is it is awesome you guys need to understand too Iowa butts up to parts of Wisconsin. Those deer and in Il- and Illinois, for that matter, for sixty bucks you could hunt some of the best whitetail ground there is. Um, so Brad and I are going to sneak up there. I had a couple um, public places that I've hunted in the past when we lived there. Uh, never really hunted private. Actually, I don't think I did hunt private land. Nah, I take that back. I did one, but it was like a literally a cattle pasture. And yeah, we ended up getting chased by a steer and it was no good. I thought I was going to die that day. Ended up jumping into a like a, a round feeder and then this steer pushed the feeder up against the fence. 
ended up throwing Cassandra and I bow over the fence, jumped up on the round feeder and jumped the fence and then ended up walking a, sh- a road back to our truck. It was one time in my life that I I honestly thought it was over. And yeah, so that was the only time I ever hunted private land in, in Wisconsin. And then I felt safer on public land. So um, we're going to head up and check out a couple of these, these spots that I found. A lot of like super swampy areas that I hunted. Um, and I have a, a pretty good idea of a couple... A couple spots that I want to try. I'm sure Brad and I are going to kind of, we might, I don't know if we'll hunt together or not. I think we're going to hunt separate and just kind of cover more ground and hopefully one of us bags a, a buck. We're, I'm not going to be after anything special. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I actually might take the recurve too. I don't know. I haven't decided. I was out shooting the recurve today. Um, so we'll be, we'll be doing Wisconsin and who knows, maybe sneak in an Ohio hunt towards the end of the year if if all goes well, if if I end up tagging out in Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. But if not, we're going to focus on, on those states. It's a lot, and it's a lot to, to get around and do and a lot of miles put on the old F-150 during that time. But, uh, yeah, going to get after it. Um. On a good note, today I also received my tethered tree saddle. For those that don't know, it's like a luxury hammock that you just sit in up in a tree. Uh, I was texting a couple people today. Texted Andy May, who we had on here talking about tree saddles, and kind of tipped me over to the breaking point to go get one um, and really push for it and ended up um receiving one for my birthday from my in-laws and sister-in-laws so I was pretty awesome I was super pumped about that gift um and got out today climbed up about 20 feet up in the air um locked in tethered in as they call it I guess and just sat up there for 20-30 minutes tonight and just felt it out um Talked to Andy before. He said, make sure you don't put it on like too high on your hips. A lot of guys get hip pinch. So I put it about two inches below my belt line and it was completely fine. Like I, I felt super comfortable. I actually, I, I feel safer in a tree saddle than I do an actual tree stand. And it's so mobile, like so freaking mobile. I can walk in with three sticks, get 20 plus feet up in the air easily. I bet I could get close to 25, 30 feet with three climbing sticks. And that's it. Uh, I was just standing on my top top ring of my, my sticks. I'm sure that, that my feet would start to hurt after you know uh, any length of time. So a platform is a must. Um, but uh, it, it was... I was blown away, completely, completely honest. We're not partnered with Tethered or anything like that, so I'm not, I'm not saying that. So, um, it was, it's a great product. I, I think it's a game changer for anybody that wants to hang and hunt and doesn't have like big trees. I know Wisconsin. I will not be taking a tree stand. Brad ordered a, a tree saddle, and I know he won't be taking a tree stand. Um, we're just gonna hunt out of this, and I'm Illinois. Probably not going to hunt out of a tree stand. Going to hunt out of a saddle and move around this year. 
um, as well as our property here in the west side and even filming i think it's going to be night and day for a guy that's actually sitting behind a camera if i am up filming somebody it's going to be way easier than than having two stands in a tree um just the mobility to be able to move around different sides of the tree and set up where you have that tree between you and the deer um shooting out of it i was shooting uh i don't know what it is 60 inch or 58 something like that recurve out of it today and shooting out of my weak side everyone says it's super hard i was standing on the top ring of my my climbing sticks and still had no problem shooting off my weak side um transitioning a bow over is is the biggest thing but i don't foresee that being a problem you could transition it under um or over i mean if you have a deer coming in on your weak side you're gonna know in advance and you you can make that movement pretty slow um the other thing i tried it was um kind of like spinning all the way around backwards and i could shoot to let's say if i'm looking straight forward to my right my one two o'clock so if i i would spin counterclockwise and i could get all the way over to probably my three four o'clock and shoot so i couldn't shoot spinning to my left if you guys can follow spinning counterclockwise i wouldn't be able to get to like that between two and three and up till about noon i couldn't get there by spinning to my left that's where i'd have to transition the bow over the top or underneath the the i don't know the tethered or the i don't know what the strap is called that comes down but um you have to go over or under to shoot my noon to two everything else i could literally swing all the way around um and i felt like i was way more accurate because I have like two points of contact on my feet. Um, on the either top ring, I'm going to get a platform though, on the platform, and then like all the way up to my hips. So it's essentially like I'm shooting sitting down all the time, but even more stable. I don't know if that makes sense because it's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like it's a game changer. So. That's pretty much all I got for you guys today. I know it's a shorter episode and I don't want to talk anymore. And I'm sure you guys are either shut this off already or, (laughs) um, yeah. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, again, Nimrod's podcast brought to you by Risky Outdoors Prime Archery. Nimrod's simply Nimrod was a descendant of Noah and he was known as the world's greatest hunter. Our goal is to, interview nimrods the greatest hunters um the north american term means someone with little skill hence myself wanting to to interview the guys that are really really good at this stuff so that's where that is um remember apex gear get over there shop they have sights quivers rests um wrist straps they have they have essentially everything um to accessorize your bow um, I'm super pumped about again our stabilizer. I really like that setup in the new site in the um, the detach bar. Um, they did they did a really good job, um, and you guys can save twenty percent. Just simply risky R I S K E as a promo code save you some money. 
Um, but yeah, as always, guys, uh, appreciate you. Um, stay stealthy and strive to become an Emrod.